Hey everyone, this episode of Star Trek The Next Conversation is brought to you by a special message from our old pals at Chocograms. They wanted to thank you for the support and generally being soups awesome. But they have to apologize because they have to stop currently uh, the nationwide shipping due to carrier issues brought on by the gift that keeps on giving to the world. COVID-19. <laughs> You've seen it in various Star Trek episodes that we've uh, we've dealt with recently, weirdly. and uh, Also, uh, you know, you turn on TV, you watch the Connors. They're all wearing masks. It's yeah. weird. Uh, but they uh, would like you to know that uh, they're so appreciative of your support. And if you live in the Philadelphia area, there's still a pretty good chance that they can deliver to you. So... I uh, wanted to pass that along and also let you know there's a special discount uh, for 10% off on all orders. And it's full-time scroll. Full-time scroll. That's right. That's from our Patreon episodes. So if you're like, what does that mean? I'll tell you briefly. Uh, it generally comes from Andy and I's constant discussion where I personally decided that... Uh, uh, oh God, what's her name? Character name? Brie Larson? No, the character. Oh, Captain Marvel? Nope. The, Fur- the character Fury name. and oh, uh, Hill. Hill. Maria Hill. I think Maria Hill's been a scroll scroll the whole time. <laughs> right. So, uh, <laughs> if you want to know why, head over to Patreon, hop into the President Circle, and uh, download the. Uh, Far From Home episode. Spider-Man Far From Home. That'll tell you. Anyway, thank you to Chocograms. Head to Chocograms.com. Uh, head to, sorry, head to ilovechocograms.com. Use the promo code. Wait, really? Full-time scroll. If you're in the Philadelphia area, pretty good chance they can ship to you. Uh, 10% off your orders, and uh, we will update you when they are shipping countrywide again. FYI, I've been uh, I've been having the choco bombs now that the uh, weather's turned a little bit more brisk. They are delightful. Oh, you want to taste it? Are you in the Philly area? Get on it, uh, and we will uh, we'll let you know when they're back up and running in the in the in the full uh, breath of the carrier. What does that mean? I don't know. Here's the show. Podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everyone, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation, the galaxy's number one podcast hosted by two guys who have stared at each other through a Zoom screen for the past eight months. I'm Matt. And I'm Andy. And I'm Devanani Rao. That's right. It's just Devanani this week. (laughs) Because we're we're keeping it small. We're staying within our household. (laughs) 
Right. You know, we're socially He's, distanced De- podcasting. Devanani Rawl, if you don't know, is in our pod. Yeah, Devanani, uh, Andy, and I are constantly uh, <laughs> just just shooting the shit, you know? Um Sometimes uh, he's got a new lady around, but she's not around for long. Always seems like his mom. <laughs> yeah, I think no. You're thinking, you keep thinking I keep thinking confused. the wrong guy, don't I? <laughs> the other guy. That's the it's other. So weird funny to me. It's literally. <laughs> it's literally impossible for me to separate the two characters, which is so bizarre. I guess it's like. Hey, I'm an empath, but bad. And that's it. That's all I have in my head. It certainly I, definitely fulfills I, the same purpose in the show. There's and no I always about that. I pop to the we, I pop to the most recent one we watched. Yeah. So my head always thinks that's Devanani Rall when we all know <laughs> that Devanani Rall is the guy who everybody knew was an empath and was brought in for if I remember correctly, negotiating the rights to a wormhole on behalf of uh, another government. Do they, uh, don't they discover then, that the wormhole is purposeless? Or the wormhole is unstable, something? and the Ferengis end up going through it and never come out. When Data and Jordy are like, "We got to come out," and the Ferengis like, "Ah, we are right. profit." <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know my Devanani Rall, but I just confuse everything. Anyway, <laughs> I don't get it. I wouldn't know. I don't do that. You don't confuse anything. You're Andy not, Secunda, king of the unconfused. <laughs> Always on top of the whole situation. <laughs> well, Andy, it's time to answer this question. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Uh, it's a nice Crusher episode. And as I said to Andy on the Enterprise episode <laughs> yeah. we did in uh, the Patreon, uh, you didn't answer the question. <laughs> so uh, I'll try that one more time. On me. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? You know, it's so inoffensively fine. Go for it. How's that for a pull quote and an ad? Uh, inoffensively, inoffensively fine! fine. <laughs> <laughs> exclamation point, exclamation point. I am happy with that review. Uh, Andy, should we go to the Admirals Club? We might as well. Welcome to the Admirals Club. That one throws me off always because there's no door. Oh, yeah. Here we what go. Do you want to add? Our first uh, Admiral Admit. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't know. Sorry, people. I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> uh, Nor Matt, do they. They don't even know how, how to get in here. How do they get in to the Admirals Club? <laughs> well, Andy, all they got to do is head over to Apple Podcasts. Oh, bleh. oh, no. I don't know either. Apple Podcasts. <laughs> head over there. Leave a five-star review. You can say whatever you want in the review. As long as you leave a five-star review, you'll be welcome into the Admirals Club. Andy uh, likes to single out or pick a couple. Pick whatever number he feels like that week to read out loud and uh, recognize on the podcast itself. Andy, who we got this week? This week we have a friend from uh, Germany who sent us, if you're in one of the uh, one of the um, areas uh, that has, it, for some reason, they've segmented off the uh, reviews. Um, send us a uh, screenshot of your review, and um, it will be in consideration. Um, and it says, delightful. As a longtime Trekkie, I find that this way of revisiting TNG is highly entertaining. The difference takes on the occurring, the recurring storylines, or the occurring, the storylines, by the two hosts, uh, clearly shaped 
through their different stages of knowledge of what's to come. A perfect pretense for all aging Trekkies to revisit TNG with their kids or less Trek-ridden partners. <laughs> Trek-ridden, that's a very funny phrase. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, the next one, uh, appropriately, is titled, uh, It's No James Bonding, But I'll Take It. <laughs> uh, and that one's from, And I'm Devanani Rao. <laughs> oh, Devanani. Uh, he's, uh, he's over on the couch and he, uh, he gave us a review. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Um, and uh, he or she writes, uh, I'd like to pretend that my Patreon subscription fee is actually my tuition to Andy Secunda's school's specific acting. <laughs> Only a few more credits until I get a certificate that qualifies me to be an overacting red shirt in the background of a 30-year-old syndicated TV show. <laughs> Good for you, pal. Oh, man. Um, I had my eyes. You just made gl- the dean's list. I had my eyes glued to one of our background uh, yesterday during a shoot, Andy. Oh yeah, Was yeah. It, he he, he uh, specificing up, specificing up a storm. <laughs> the specificity of the acting was almost unparalleled. Uh, what was the emotion? Uh, I mean, the gamut. I mean, it was all of them. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was uh, in a varsity jacket, so yeah. uh, he just uh, essentially. Um, was an empath for any of the angry jocks in the scene. <laughs> Just their emotions were his, and boy, oh boy, it was something. Generally speaking, the uh, the attractive jocks, uh, you know, not always. Sometimes the attractive jocks nail it. Um, certainly on school, that was the case. Uh, but generally, uh, they, they're a little more performance challenged than the... Uh, than the ones that are cast purely for their performance. All I can say is they uh, they did you proud. I ha- they have to have been graduates. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, all right, that was that one. I was zooming along on uh, by mistake. Here we go. Uh, and this one is from Patrick Darms, who writes, uh, "Did it for the Admirals Club." This podcast. <laughs> is perfect for the most dedicated Star Trek fans or the casual fan like myself. I'm a lover, not an expert. That's another bonding fan right there. There you go. (laughs) Uh, Both hosts take it just seriously enough, ranging from topics such as in-depth character discussion to ordering Dunkin' Donuts from Postmates. I've seen enough (laughs) of each show, and TNG is my favorite. I downloaded iTunes specifically to leave this review, not because I want to be an admiral, but because this podcast deserves a five-star review. Oh, very kind. so much, Patrick. Very kind. Um, and the last one I'm doing for today is uh, from Laura Broder, who writes, love it. Still in season two, so I have no idea if they still do an Admiral's Club on the podcast. But if they do, maybe I'll hear this in a couple of years. Great you work, will. guys. There you are, Laura. Hello. Welcome to not even the present, but the near present. <laughs> who knows uh, how many episodes you got in front of me? Or, for, or if you quit at this point. Oh, that's true. I mean, I think right after Best of Both Worlds, we, we also peaked. Um yeah. That does it. Let's head to the president's circle, Andy. Very good. The United Federation of Planets President's Circle. Here we are. It's the president's circle, the top tier of our Patreon. If you would like to join the president's circle and be great like all of these kind folks, 
head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Maybe you're listening to this right now because your uh, your your significant other has it on and you're like, I don't know what to get them from Christmas. Secretly get them a President Circle membership. Oh my gosh, what better gift is there? Come on. <laughs> Maybe they're looking at you right now like, you totally should, but don't make any facial movements. It'll no. be a secret until they it happens. Probably, they probably are thinking, the reason I don't like my significant other talking about Star Trek constantly is because I can't participate as much. <laughs> so why don't you let them get absorbed in the hundreds of hours of other podcasting we have up in the President's Circle. In the President's Circle, you get four podcasts a month currently, ever since the pandemic lockdown started. Andy and I have been doing four, and uh, quite frankly, we've seen no need to slow down. You guys have been wonderful in supporting us, and uh, we like to single out a president or two uh, with a Christopher Pike Medal of Valor for a particularly enjoyable comment over on our Patreon. Andy, who do we have this week? It's Sarah Fancies, who writes, uh, the senior officers continually put on plays just for Data's benefit. (laughs) I think it's true. (laughs) That is beautifully accurate. Um, Thank you. And now let's head to the Priority One messages. Oh, boy. It's time. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. All right, Andy. Priority One, that means means uh, if you, you uh, post in the uh, in the Patreon, you will get special priority access, aka I will look at those first, and uh, and and uh, you stand a greater chance of getting on the show. Every time you explain it, it sounds less and less special. Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing wrong? What am uh, I, how am I? It's just, it's special. It, guys, it's special. Here we go. Andy, who's first? The Great and ter- Quarant- oh, man. The Great and Terrible Lizak? No, it's the great in quarantine, Lizak. Oh, nicely done. Uh, this type of story freaks me. Uh, this is regarding frame, uh, of, frame mind. of mind. Previous episode. This type of story freaks me all the way out because I guess I just fundamentally don't trust my own mind. Unrelated, have we ever seen Riker not get caught on an undercover mission? <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> that is so accurate. Maybe that one. You know what? I'm giving a, a retroactive uh, Christopher Pike medal to you, too. Wow. That's right, Lizak. You did it. Um, if, you get, if you get enough laughs from old... Uh, from old Myra over here. <laughs> that changes the score. Wow. Uh, Lieutenant James McLaughlin writes, it seems like Riker is tortured. Oh, here we go. In multiple <laughs> episodes. Is he to TNG what O'Brien is, is to DS9? DS9? I haven't seen that uh, aspect yet, obviously. That's interesting. I would say no, because O'Brien, I believe, and uh, you guys will find out along with us, Fairly soon. We're almost through season six here. Uh, I believe O'Brien got more of the shaft. Yeah. I feel like Chekhov in TOS took a lot of beatings. Certainly in the in Star Trek II he did. Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime any sort of mind control worm creature crawls in your ear. Oh, that's the worst. That's a bad week. Mark C., uh, Rupert Crandall's number one and professor of breakfast delivery at Temporal Agent Academy. Ooh. <laughs> Mark's always being creative with his name. And uh, uh, I'll tell you what, he's never served my eggs any other way than I like them. It's, it's so true. It's an Enterprise reference. Being continually pressured by a colleague to be in her play each week would drive me crazy, too. Uh... <laughs> 
I think it's like, do you think that we like don't see a ton of plays that she's doing with everybody else? Like, as far as I know, she might be continually just putting on plays, putting on plays all the time. There's part of me that feels like Nurse Ogawa has played every lead in a play that we haven't seen. Yeah. And ironically, they're cut from the show, so she doesn't get her under five. That's right. I mean, what, what show? What are you talking about? This is all factual. Sorry, uh, ironically, we just haven't uh, seen them. We haven't seen they're them. They're currently attended those they're happening. Episodes. They're happening. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff the Human and Maximus the Dog. Right? Uh, just how great was Frakes in this episode? Also, this, this takes a weird turn, folks. I dreamed last night that I won a contest and got to spend the day with Andy. We went to a comic shop and then got pizza. I had a blast, but was acutely aware that he was pretty miserable the whole time. I picked a hell of a day to cancel my therapy appointment. This seems like so <laughs> eerily accurate to what I might know. happen. It's really weird. Because like, like, oh, that sounds delightful. I was great, like, nah, great nah. afternoon. It's a great <laughs> yeah. afternoon for Andy. And then all of a sudden. I would find something wrong. Why are you enjoying it? I don't know. <laughs> Just thinking about the rest of my life <laughs> that I'm going to go back to when I'm done with this wonderful afternoon. Uh, JJ and Jess at Tanagra, the pizza good. <laughs> Right, uh, writes, I guess one person. Firstly, this is one of my favorite episodes to fall asleep to. Oh, <laughs> Secondly, wow. How did Riker know that this one planet, formerly unheard of by the audience, had their government collapse? We see news crews in TOS movies and in Picard, but we never see the people watching any news programs. How do they watch? Uh, those screens in their tiny, in the rooms are tiny. I would hate to think that visual entertainment is limited to the holodeck or the 90s laptops. Or live plays where the actors are all but held by Beverly, held hostage by Beverly. A thousand percent chance that he has uh, a TV feed on that little monitor. He slides, he swings towards himself next to his chair on his right. You think so? Oh, yeah. He's constantly watching. uh, I mean, every year when the galaxy's number one Ambu Jitsu tournament is, he's definitely (laughs) watching that. Just thinking, I could kick this guy's ass. I could have oh. gone pro, you know. You know, if this guy ever fought my dad, he'd lose too. <laughs> Maybe his dad went pro after he retired. I love it. You see Pulaski on the sidelines cheering him on. <laughs> cheering. I like to think that they ended up back together. That's a nice thought. Yeah. Not for Riker. <laughs> uh, the Ultimate Trekker writes, Assuming his memory of the play is real, it's got a horrible ending. It never answers if he kills anyone or if he's actually crazy. Was it a two-night play like Harry Potter and the Cursed Boy? <laughs> That's <laughs> a good question. question. Yeah. Um, did I do this one? Oh, no. JJ, JJ wrote uh, another thing. Sorry, JJ and Jessica Tanagra, the pizza good. Uh, when Data uh, gives Riker a suggestion to be irrational during the play and Beverly steps in, I never thought she was doing it as a director, but stepping in as a doctor. She sees Riker's anxious about this and wants him to step back from it for his health. But, of course, the Hollywood guys would think it's a Hollywood reason. (laughs) (laughs) So true. (laughs) Um, Okay. I thought I had one more in here. Uh, But I can't find it. Well, you know what? Sometimes you can't find everything you're looking for, Andy. That's so true. Um, So I guess that's... uh, Here it is. Oh, God damn it. Uh, Sandel Tremel, 
or Tremel. I think it's Tremel. Writes, uh, the play that Frakes is in reminds me of every play chosen for directing class in college. <laughs> that, that is dead on. It reminded me of, of films in film school, but uh, that uh, I think that's the same thing. Uh, that's it for the Priority One messages, pal. All right, then, Andy, let's slide out of here into the hallway with the, uh, you know... Well, let's go this way. And open those hailing frequencies. Captain, we are being hailed. Now, this is an old um, E, hail. but a good E. Oh, okay. What is it? Old E, but a good E. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Oldie but a goodie. It's not a... Oldie but a goodie. Oh, I see. I see. Jeez Louise. My head. I Jeez was trying Louise. to make sense out of E. I told you, bad pun blindness, pal. Uh, it's really not a pun. It's just, yeah, just was, language. I would describe that as almost nothing. <laughs> um, JJ, a different JJ, uh, writes us... Um, there's a name there's no name it's just jj uh this is this is an old one regarding birthright part two Mm -hmm. but uh, i thought it was uh it was uh good uh hey love the podcast thought that this would be a perfect opportunity to write in about something that's always bothered me about Worf and this particular episode um when i was about only six months i was adopted through the state to parents that i was not biologically related to I've never met my biological parents and have never had the desire to, but I was told about my adoption at a very young age as my parents didn't want to spring it on me when I was older, and it has been a part of my identity ever since. Adoption has a strangely large presence in media, especially genre media, but it's usually portrayed in a way that shows a complete lack of understanding of the emotional realities of the situation. Hmm. Probably the worst is in Man of Steel, when famous adoptee Superman walks up to Martha Kent and says, I met my real parents. If I said that to my own mother, she would slap the teeth out of my skull, and rightfully so. There's a lot of this, uh, for lack of a better term, adoption exploitation out there, and it's usually portrayed as an obstacle to be overcome, either mm. in a, an abusive home life, like in Harry Potter, or a basically quaint but dull family that needs to be destroyed with violence to kick off the protagonist's quote, real destiny, as in Star Wars. Worf has always uh, been a terrible example of adoption. He's not only just a Klingon with zero traces of a human upbringing, but the process appears to have emotionally stunted him in some way. I won't spoil it, but but DS9, which finally gives some real depth to his character, goes into why uh, this is in more detail in in an even worse episode. Birthright Part 2 really makes the worst of all of this. Not only does it absolutely have a pro-segregation message, a real spit in the eye to Robert Roddenberry's legacy, but it stings even more coming from Worf, a character who would know better if anyone on the writing staff had cared enough to consider how someone with this with his background might actually react. It's a pretty mediocre episode overall, and one that I find personally offensive on several levels. Also, Worf's hairline is bizarre. It seems to be less receded over time, as if he's aging in reverse. Is it just a Klingon thing, or is Worf pulling a Benjamin Button? Thanks for reading, and keep up the adequate work. Curl, uh, that's, that's <laughs> the adequate too. work. I love it. Yeah, sure. Uh, I uh, I, I love that perspective. Yeah, that is a that is a great perspective, and also, uh, you know, I hadn't really thought about how often that is happening. 
Meaning, how in often culture the... in general. Uh, in, in, in media. Culture, in media, yeah. 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 Uh, it's interesting. I hadn't really ever thought about that. Yeah. I was about to say, uh, but Hermione, they, she likes her parents, but she those are her real parents. <laughs> uh, she's just She just happens to have trained herself as a muggle to... Uh, to Look, I her. think that everyone who is put under the stairs and told not to be a wizard... Yeah, has a point. <laughs> is, this, is this a counterpoint to JJ's point? Yes, uh, all you wizards. <laughs> um, our next hail is from Joseph Parker, and it is entitled Curlin Naskos. Is it Naskos? Naskos? You know what I'm talking about? You guys know what I'm talking about? Come on, you nerds! Curlin uh, Naskos from the episode uh, The Chase. There you go. In the series Picard, we get a glimpse of the Curlin Nascos, but it contradicts what happened in Generations. At the end, when they were picking through the it wreck of the Enterprise. It doesn't, really, because it, 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 it never breaks. Like, he, I, I he, know he tosses it to the side, but right, it, it does not actually it. break. It's Anytime a, you've seen it with a shattering sound, that was added by Red Letter Media and their wonderful review of Generations. That's true. But Joseph Parker's point that we don't see it, but are led to presume that the artifact isn't as valuable to him as a, as a photo album, which he picks up instead. Well, in fairness, his family did just die. It's true. And that was but all he had not left in keeping of them. with it's a 10,000 year old artifact that he's fucking mooning over in the chase. <laughs> Doesn't really fit with that either. But I accept that he could have retrieved it later and gone, what was I thinking? So that's fair. So funny how um, how like that seems like such a thing I should be annoyed by, but it does not bother me. Interesting. Did you know? Did you know what it was when you saw it in Generations? Uh, did it only refresh? It did later? not. It did not track to me at the time. Gotcha. I mean, that, and also I that, saw it in the theater when I was what eleven. That would have been the appropriate time to look on Memory memory Alpha <laughs> and see, oh, it was also in this. Um, our next tale is entitled uh, Frame of Mind Done Right from Thomas Zera. Or Zera. Um, hey, guys. So I agree Frame of Mind has a cool premise, but the execution is underwhelming. I think a better version of the same story is from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 6, Episode 17, titled Normal Again. Won't make you watch the episode. No, I um, remember it. It's right after Buffy comes back from, from the dead. Right. Um, yeah, okay. So, so I Thomas's can see. question For is, sure. would an ending showing Riker in an asylum have changed your rating on the episode? No, because he's back next week. Right. Do you know what I mean? Well, Buffy was back next week. Yeah, Buffy doesn't end in an asylum. Doesn't it go back at the end? Isn't that the whole point? Like it sends this, it shows this weird... Um, kind of meta. I thought that was the end. Of oh episode. wow! I had to re. I mean, it's been probably about ten years. I'd have to rewatch. I was shocked that. I mean, I could be misremembering or misreading the thing. Here, I'll send you the link if you want. But uh, but I understood that that was what it was, and then I okay. Read. So that's what it is. Then let's continue our discussion now because yeah. your memory is probably better than mine on that. I don't know if it is, but whatever the case, uh, I definitely would have had my mind blown a little if Star Trek. Decided Star to do Trek that? suddenly decided to do that. I think you uh, you're going to be in for some treats later in the Star Trek's runs. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's exciting. You mean at later than TNG or? Mm-hmm. Oh wow. 
Um, let's see. Jerry Canavan um, sent a... Oh, he Jerry Canavan uh, actually quoted from a Star Trek Reddit, another Star Trek Reddit, uh, about this Boothby theory that I thought was interesting. Um, I'd posit that Boothby works... I guess this is based on us talking about Boothby. Uh, Boothby wor- works at the Academy to provide a, quote, how does this person treat service people test? He's not there for his gardening skills, but because he's an extremely wise and affable fellow with an eidetic memory. He's uniquely capable of being totally innocuous, but uh, while being quietly brilliant and at, at, uh, sorry, at understanding people. The natural-born leaders, the one that Starfleet is really interested in, they respond to Boothby as an equal without really thinking about it. They apologize if they get in, uh, in his way. They instinctively smile. At him, when they see him in the morning, they start up a conversation with him or even offer help. Uh, they're aware of the morale of the people around him, and they try to lift it without even thinking about it. Um, so maybe he's an Elorian, and he's been at Starfleet Academy for 200 years. I think that's actually a great theory, Matt. We don't you know. I don't think that's ever yourself. been established, really, whether or not he is or not. I know, but I think that she, he is very, he's very, um, Guinan-ish. Yeah. Um, our next one's from Henry Bolton, who writes, did anyone ever, uh, did anyone else, this I thought was, frankly, this one was great, and if it was in the president circle, or if it was in the, uh, the Patreon, it would have gotten a Medal of Honor, I can tell you that. Uh, did anyone else notice that Data has no trouble using contractions when he's pretending to be somebody else? No, I did not. That's such. It's like a stutter that, like, you need a trick to kind of get around, and then you're, and then you're okay. Well, I mean, he, as a performer, you know, he's just so good at mimicking. I know, but then why doesn't he mimic contractions when he's in normal speech? He does not feel the need to, <laughs> because he does not feel. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I don't know. This one's long. Okie dokie. You can edit or we can go to a less long. It's up to you. All right. Hit the um, hit hit the prime hit the prime corrective. Okie dokie. Here it comes. Prime corrective. Everybody. Matt fucked up. Let's hear about it. I don't know where it is. Uh, where is the prime corrective of the sound? <laughs> uh, hmm. I found it. It's a prime corrective. Time for retrospective. I wrong. It's a prime corrective. Just Matt. Uh, this is regarding gold pressed plest, gold platinum. pressed platinum. Uh, I've been a listener from day one, pretty much uh, live every week since January 2017. To be honest with you, that's why this is getting on, pal. Yes, that's right. I see a fourth anniversary special oh episode God. on the horizon. I can't Did believe anyone ever think it would last this long? How long we've been so. doing this podcast? I know. It's insane. Um, since I'm neither a lieutenant commander, admiral, or president, I don't really expect this to make the show, but what the heck? Uh, are you surprised? That's another reason it got on because your because your concerns. Um, 
Uh, and it was in the promo for uh, Chakragrams at the beginning of the chase on November 16th, coincidentally my birthday. Matt mentioned that the Frangi would, uh, quote, go for go bananas for this stuff, but wasn't sure about the value of gold-pressed latinum and the whole workings of the Frangi economy. Latinum itself is a liquid and therefore not a hard currency. That's why you press it in gold, which is obviously not of any worth in 2369, so you carry it around. Gold pressed latinum, GPL, trades in slip strips and bars with 100 slips equaling one strip and 20 strips equaling one bar. We have to take into account that GPL is not a currency per se as we understand money since the amount is finite, uh, much like gold nowadays. A conversion from GPL in the year 2369 to US dollars in 2020 is therefore a very obscure undertaking. There are actually currency converters online, but from my understanding of economy, they are shit. For simplification, we will have to rely on the factual buying power at the time of purchase. Memory <laughs> Alpha lists a number of relations between Latinum and goods and services. Uh-huh. The most obvious example being a waitress at Quark's Bar on DS9 makes one slip of GPL per day. The minimum wage in California in 2020 is $13 an hour. Let's make the shift eight hours. Delta shift would probably get a bonus. <laughs> That makes it uh, $104 per day. We can therefore approximate one slip of GPA should be about $100, as working for Quark in any capacity will certainly be a minimum wage job at any point in time. Best wishes from Germany to you, your families. Stay safe uh, among the havoc. Signed, Liquidator Addy of the Ferengi Commerce Authority, FCA, Outpost European Union, now also a member of the Admirals Club. He Uh, is. I read his Admirals Club entry. I will say that that is not a prime corrective. That's a prime informative. Oh. Thank that you. seems right. I like it. That's good information. A prime extrapolation? A prime extrapolation. <laughs> you know, until my people come up with some sort of directive out here. Uh, anyway, it's time to close so, the hail bag. So, like, Andy, say the thing you're going to say as I tried to not cut you off but accidentally did. If you would like to send a hail to us, send it to sttncpod at gmail. Please put the title of the episode and subject heading somewhere. Uh, you can tweet or Instagram Matt at Matt Myra. You can Instagram me at, at Andrew Secunda or at Secunda for Twitter. And if you like send a voice hail, send it to 816-TREK-TNC for a priority one uh, message access. Join our Patreon. Thank you, Andy. Let's close those hails. (laughs) (laughs) Found it. Just in the nick of time. That felt very long, but it actually was not long for us (laughs) for the hail bag. Uh, I I would say it was like a... uh, It was like an EP. Not an album. It was an EP. Um, and with that let's now jump in and we're going to talk about the next episode we crossed the many doors the many places your hails made us think of all your faces sit comfortably in your little board node let's talk about this week's episode alright Andy it's time to talk about uh, season 4 episode something 23? Uh, 22. 22, okay. This is Suspicions, uh, and it aired the week of May 10th, 1993. What was going on? I'll tell you, Matt. Uh, the number one song in the U.S. was That's the Way Love Goes by Janet Jackson. Side A. Oh, sorry. 
Sorry, one of these classic videos with a lot oh, of stories. She's chatting. She's talking to her dancers. Oh, J-Lo's one of the dancers. No shit. Oh, Dave Navarro on the guitar? Really? That's what it looks like to me. Uh, I gotta be honest. I was a huge Janet Jackson fan back in the day. Uh, the number one song in the UK was Five Live by George Michael and Queen with Lisa Stansfield. Um, that's the way that goes. Uh, number one movie, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Number one book, The Bridges Madison County by Robert James Waller. Number one TV show that week, Matt. I really hope it was Seinfeld. Is cheers. Oh. Oh. Oh, wow. That's the cheers finale. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh. Has to be, right? Nice. Let's see. May 10th, 1993. Is that it is? I think that is it. Sounds right. Which means we're four months away from Frasier premiering. First that week, Miranda Cosgrove, iCarly, and Halston Stage, the Orville. Halston Sage. Orville. I apologize, Halston. Is that a full name? I know you're one of our listeners. Um, Halston Sage? Yes. Oh, that's a a surname and a. I thought you said Halston Sage, the Orville. Oh, no. She's she's from the Orville. Miranda Cosgrove is from my car. Miranda Cosgrove was on. uh, She did a good job. She was on Goldberg last year. Was Was it last year? She was. Did you uh, ask her all your iCarly questions? I asked her none of them because I don't know anything about it. I know that it was on. That's one thing I know. Uh, Andy, now it's time for a segment that some people like and everybody loves. Frank Sinatra, come on. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for that segment everybody hates. (laughs) Time for Frank Sinatra, come on. That's right, Andy. You tell me. In 1993, what was the chairman of the board up to? Well, Matt, Frank has just finished his run at the Desert Inn in Las Vegas. Unbelievable. Traveling to Chicago to start a five-performance engagement at the Civic Opera House. In Chicago, of course, he starts his concerts with My Kind of Town, honoring the city. He also moves moves, uh, New York, New York. Out of its usual concert ending position, because he didn't want to antagonize the, the Chicagoans. That's so great. I love you. And that's uh, that's what Frank was up to a lot, apparently. <laughs> All right, Andy. I wish I had an eighth of the of the energy. And drive that Frank Sinatra had at that point in his life. I think if you wish hard enough, you can. Uh, okay, so this was directed by Cliff Bull and written by Joe Minoski and Naren Shankar. And here is the synopsis from Larry Nemechek's Star Trek The Next Generation Companion Revised Edition. Dr. Crusher's four-way into science diplomacy is cut short when the Takaran scientist Jabril... One of those responding to her call to witness the new shield technology developed by the Ferengi scientist Dr. Rega is killed while testing it. Rega vows to prove himself when Dr. Crusher stops the tests of the metaphasic shield designed to protect a vessel within a sun's corona. But soon he is found dead of an apparent suicide. Crusher suspects foul play, especially after a Klingon scientist admits she threatened Rega. 
when the Ferengi uh, accused her of sabotage in the first test. Crusher wants to do an autopsy to gather clues, but to con customs, uh, but to con customs and thus the prime directive as well forbid it. Those are Ferengi customs. He did the autopsy on the Takan. That's true. Larry, come on. I know you had to write this for every single episode, but <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, it forbids it. She proceeds anyway and finds nothing and is relieved of duty. More like nurse trick. Am I right? And like, an, but then he like. to nurses. But, I don't know why but, I'm doing that. I apologize, Mary. Yeah, that was no good. They're all heroes, Andy. Yeah, they all are heroes. Uh, More she, like um, medical student. Trek? <laughs> How about... Uh, Intern of Trek? No, no. Set medic Trek. Uh, <laughs> she proceeds anyway and finds nothing. Is relieved of duty to await court-martial after Rega's family and government protests her act. Now, with Guinan reassuring advice to pursue her gut feelings and with nothing left to lose, Crusher presses on when Data guesses that the shield disruptor might leave Tetrion traces. Excuse me, a yawn is coming. <laughs> get, get the uh, sound effect ready. Uh, get it ready. It's always ready, I thought. <laughs> Can you search the sound by name, or you really just have to find it? I have to like look at the board, and it's oh, like the tiniest, the tiniest font ever. That and, feels like uh, that's just as, as, as efficient as my version of searching the name. You know, I think uh, every once in a while... I luck into finding one right where I need it, and the rest of the time, I don't. In fairness, it's an obscure sound effect. In <laughs> Funny one. It is. It really is. Uh, no proof. Crusher desperately tries one more route, testing the shield herself to see if the sabotage ruined the first test. It works, but Jabril is actually alive thanks to the death-like stasis ability of his race. <gasps> what? During a fight, Crusher gets the upper hand, Jobril is killed, and uh, Rega's work is vindicated. I cannot, by the way, in good conscience, believe that uh, Crusher didn't just stun the guy. She really went for it. She, I know. That's a crazy sh- turn at the end. That whole last <laughs> scene is bonkers. It's also like, uh, oh, my evidence? Um, mm, uh, ooh, uh, ooh, I vaporized it. <laughs> I mean, you can you can kind of justify, because I assume it's on some version of kill or above when it blows a hole in his chest. So you can kind of, kind of think like, well, she knows. His anatomy? He yeah. He but knows, I feel well, like she, she could stun him. Look. That's no, the she, end kno- of the she knows that he can he can control his whatever cells, and therefore it's not going to kill him. But when she chooses to kill him, that is that is a crazy moment. <laughs> well, Andy, let's pop in here. Let's uh, let's dive. Right. Let's dive in. All right. By the way, I'd like to say that the, it's very odd to me that the, in the Star Trek The Next Generation Companion Revised Edition, there's no mention of Guinan's tennis elbow. Really? Did you search? No, I mean, I'm just saying, like, that wasn't in the description I just read. I read every oh. word. Sorry. Somehow I translated that in my head to Memory Alpha, and you. I'm going to look on Memory Alpha for tennis elbow now. <laughs> All right, come in. 
I like seeing a fed up Beverly. Guy, that's, that's how I would be if I was wrong? a doctor. I need a doctor. Jordy beat me in straight sets today. I think I've developed tennis elbow. Well, you better go to sick bay. I think Dr. Salar's on duty. I don't want to see Dr. Salar. And he does. You. I'm very particular about sure my do. doctors. Salar! <laughs> well, you better get a new one, because I'm not a doctor on this ship anymore. All right. What's going to happen? What What is she saying, Andy? Oh I gosh. am drawn in. I got to say, at this point in the show, I was like, this feels like Beverly's being a drama queen. And uh, and I don't dig that as a teaser. It is just like, probably not even going to be the doctor of the ship anymore. By the end, then I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess it's reasonable that they would be getting rid of her. No, she, she's, she's out. She's out. You know, as uh, as it stands in that moment of the of the story, she is out of here. Three days on a shuttle to Starbase Twenty Three, transport back to Earth. I can hear Admiral Brooks now telling me how I've disgraced Starfleet Medical. Then a leisurely day and a half before the formal inquiry begins and my career ends. Beverly, my elbow. Your elbow. Let me see it. Does this hurt? Ow, yes, right there. That's tennis elbow, all right? He's lying. Look at the acting. You know, I've never been to a formal inquiry. Well, I'll see if I can arrange it. What if it was discovered that Guinan was Whoopi Goldberg? (laughs) That one's a weird one. (laughs) What do you mean? Like, Guinan... You know, after she spent time oh, she, on Earth as Madame Guinan, she, 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 then, she then assumed the identity of, of, of Whoopi Goldberg. I love it. Or as Worf calls her, Hoopie. I um, love it. And, and she uh, was on The View and she did all on. that stuff. And yeah. this also, by the way, explains why she's so good at pretending to have tennis elbow. Because right. Whoopi is a member of the EGOT family. That's an Emmy. That's a Grammy. That's an Oscar, and that's a Tony. Whoopi Goldberg, the talent is unbelievable, and I think you'd have to be an Elorian to have that much talent. You'd have to be alive for 300 years. Okay. Uh, Let me accompany this uh, by reading from Memory Alpha under the heading Tennis. In 2369, Guinan claimed to have played tennis with Jordy LaForge, who said he she had be, he had beaten her in straight sets, causing her to develop. Oh wait, tennis elbow has has its own <laughs> its own entry under uh, epicondylitis. Epicondylitis is that? Did she just did she just say would say that term, or is it just no? They're going one step further. They're going deeper. Um, it also shows also shows up in Voyager apparently. Spoiler. Keep, keep keep going. Spurler. Spurlers. That's a spurler right there. Oh, no. Spurler alert. <laughs> is this, is this? Don't tell me what's going to happen. I don't like spurlers. <laughs> oh, no. Andy's accent corner. Animo Andy, tú puedes. It's going to be shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's appropriate for him to say it's going to be shit. But I feel like. That's more of a character corner yeah. than it is an accent. Corner. Well, we don't have an Andy's character corner jingle. <laughs> well, there you go. All you have to hey, do is nacho. violate medical. Oh man! Matt has asked for yet another jingle. There's one thing that he must understand. If we add more music to this podcast, there will be 
no space in it to talk. So true. I wish we had a morning zoo crew show. Uh, if we were shock jocks. We can be. <laughs> Man, we would be. Ethics and cause an interstellar incident. Unlistenable. Well, I guess that would do it. I think that's from her own medical kit, or like, is she stealing that from the Enterprise? Make a fist. Do I have Doesn't to hit you with my fist? No issue. Oh, she's. Oh, she's there. That's what it is. Do I have to hit you with my fist? She's saying. Before like, you tell me what happened. Oh no, that's a different thing. She's saying. It all started when those scientists. Doesn't Beverly came see that there's no problem here? Maybe she's just treating with that and not diagnosing. Good point, Matt. No. You fixed it. It started when I got... It always made sense. I didn't fix anything. <laughs> curious. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's why I went to the all-teen conference. I'd heard about a new subspace... By the way, it sounds like she went to the all-teen conference. Yeah. And, like, that was a level... That's of, weird. Of, that was a level of doctoring she was competing in that week. <laughs> I'm gonna go beat the teens. <laughs> Technology developed by a Ferengi, a Dr. Rega. A Ferengi scientist. Hmm. His invention was based on metaphasic fields, but his methodology was completely unorthodox. Well, I like unorthodox. Too bad you weren't there. Nobody else would listen to him. They all but jeered him off the stage. But I had read his paper, and his work was extraordinary. So you gathered all these scientists to come hear this Ferengi? Yes, I hoped I could be a facilitator. I thought that if I invited scientists from various cultures to board the Enterprise, I could sit them down and help them to understand the value of his ideas. Like a scientific diplomat. Exactly. So after persuading the captain, I had to round up as many scientists as I could from the field of subspace technology. But of all the scientists I invited, only four were interested in hearing about Dr. Rega's invention. Seeing this collection of people so soon after the chase is just real weird. <laughs> just like they're doing it. Uh, do you uh, do you uh, like this framing device for the episode? No, it bothered me. Tell me why. It's a good question. Storytelling wise, it felt stale and unnecessary, hmm. and it, like cutesy. It felt cutesy. Like, oh, let me tell you what happened, and then let's go back in time. And it may also be a function of that we've seen just by chance, or whatever the hell it is, fate. We keep seeing, but who murdered him episodes? <laughs> like, we've seen like four of them in the past two months. It's crazy. Like, one on Voyager, one on TNG, two on Voyager? When Whoopsie. the captain suggested... Whoopsie, accidentally gonna play some Farpoint because of stupid, dumb Netflix. I wasn't... Anyway. Yes, so. Uh, I like I like, I like, like where your head's at. You know, I like that you're uh, also confused by the fact that there's uh, five humanoid species in the same room again. In the same lab. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what... What was that, four episodes ago? Blocked real weird, by the way. <laughs> I mean, not weird. It's just like they're clearly just set up for that oh, tracking that was, shot. that was two episodes ago. That's what I'm saying. It seemed real That's recent. very close. 
altogether sure that how they do you feel about the frame structure i like it in the sense that i like it because it's a different flavor you know it's a it's a change of pace for the show which i which i like i also like that it's a beverly and i like uh i like why this little it, why is dive. it relevant though how does it help because it's story? just a it's it, for me it feels like it's just it's a it's a character story about beverly like we just got one about Riker. Yeah. And this one feels like it's one about Beverly. I mean, I definitely love that they're they're spending so much time on Beverly and giving Beverly a chance to go after something. Although, to undercut that immediately, is this a Beverly issue? Why is she the one who's 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 um, championing essentially an engineer? Right? He's building multi multi phasic shield. She Why is, is a, this? she is a, 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 a scientist first and foremost. Why was that at the conference she was at as opposed to a medical technology? She didn't go to a medical conference. She went to the scientific conference. I see. And so she was just like, it was just. She was uh, like, oh, metaphasic. Maybe she fucking. That was what was in Hall H and she saw it. Yeah. Maybe she's like really be like, maybe she also likes piloting or something like that. Or maybe she's like. Certainly does. Interested in, in getting some shielding that could help Wesley not get killed by a culvert starboard burst or something. Yeah. Uh, but I buy that she is a she because, you know, even from like her plant uh, experiments, you know, that we've yeah. seen, that's botany. That's not medicine. Right. She just uh, has a lot of. Interest. I think she has a she has a wide breadth of, of scientific interests. But I will say to your point. I do think it's weird that uh, um, Jordy isn't involved. Yeah, or Data. Yeah, like because I feel later. like until something goes wrong, it's very strange that they're not in this room. I feel Other like than... Data could uh, very easily be the. Um, oh yeah, the guy. The guy to be well, the guy, the impartial person. You know what I mean? Uh, totally, and the one who would be in less danger than everybody yeah, else. Yeah, the guy who could pilot it and like. <laughs> Like when when what's his face goes, I will pilot it. Uh, we should go. No, we have actually a, a, a Sung android on board. Uh, he's actually third in command of the ship. He's going to pilot it. Oh, that actually, to to your point, that's that's of course one of the central reasons why he's not in in the room when that is discussed. Correct. <laughs> right. Um, just like you uh, sub, just have like uh, De- Deanna uh, uh, magically disappears whenever there's a something that she she would solve instantly. Whenever there's a crime to investigate, and we need to <laughs> suss out a person's guilt. Protective shuttle with. In a star's corona, not even your own government believes it can be done. That's why I've invited you all here. You have the vision to see the potential of Doctor Rega's metaphasic shield. I need help to develop the shield. I am willing to grant exclusive rights to whoever provides the necessary resources. I think you all realize what this shielding process could mean. The possibilities of exploration and research are endless. But only if it works. I'm not convinced that this metaphasic shield can withstand either the temperature or the radiation it would be exposed to. But it has! Not only in countless simulations, but in a field test that I conducted myself. For which, of course, we have only your word. Are you accusing me of falsifying my data? You would not be the first scientist to manipulate experimental data to his own advantage. Dr. Rega has offered to demonstrate his invention. 
He's outfitted one of our shuttles with his metaphasic shield. I will take it into the corona of the star Vaton. That star has a super dense corona. The shuttle would be subjected to particularly intense radiation. Perhaps it would be wise to choose a star of lesser magnitude. I agree. My own... What is with these Vulcans always marrying humans? I was going to ask... I thought it was so unusual. I mean, I guess this is TNG versus... How uh, unusual could it really be? Every time we see a married Vulcan, they have a human. (laughs) So you got Sarek and Amanda. Who else? Sarek and uh, later Um, wife. Sure, that's true. But that's just Sarek. (laughs) And then and then this uh, woman and her and her human bow and uh, you know the only one I can think of that isn't uh, that we discuss is the Tuvok who's married to a Vulcan. I don't even know why they made him human. It would have been more interesting to see a Vulcan married couple. Because you need someone to protest uh, in a passionate way that might express guilt. I don't know. The the Vulcan lady, you know, acts pretty, you know. Yes, but def- also defensive. you need someone to uh, illogically hold withhold right. the information of, well, I saw him threatening so-and-so. Yeah. I didn't think of anything at the time. But now, that that he's, but now that he's dead... Yeah, it's probably of interest. It's also Not it's good. also that follows him going. How dare you? Yeah. Well, there was that thing that I saw that. How dare you accuse me? <laughs> I agree. At this point, we need an impartial evaluation. We'll need to be sure that you're familiar with the shuttle's controls and Doctor Rega's modifications. I am an accomplished pilot. It will be no problem. Well, good alien makeup. I like it. I love the. This is a weird thing. I love the makeup on his face and i hate the makeup on his body <laughs> it's like oh you hate they just like they, painted the same color onto his torso sort of a half finished the makeup it looks like it's so thin and like not convincing mm. i don't know if it was a different department this is an opportunity i would never have had without you and i promise you i'll never forget it some of the scientists still seem a little doubtful, but after the demonstration, I'm sure they'll come around. Well, if there's anything I'm used to, it's skepticism. <laughs> after all, a Ferengi scientist is almost a contradiction in terms. Eh, no, don't deny it. I know how the Ferengi are regarded. I still expect the scientific community to be a little more open than they seem to be. Uh, the metaphasic shield is a breakthrough in technology. Many scientists have tried to develop it. It's only natural that there would be some d- d- resistance. This feels like the third or fifth time he's played a Ferengi, this guy. Let's look it up. But, like, why Why always the same people to play the Ferengis? It's very strange. I, I mean, I assume it's because it's Actually, maybe a, a you more know what? specific performance that they Disagree. Like... Here it is. Ready? Okay. Someone short? Cheaper, because they have already been fitted for the prosthetic. Oh. Or, and the costume, but I guess that wouldn't Well, it's a different much. costume here. Oh, yeah. But they already have his measurements. Hmm, interesting. Captain, the shuttle has been launched. On screen, open a channel. Hello! I am one million (laughs) kilometers from the star's corona. Proceeding at three quarters impulse, I should reach it in approximately three minutes. The metaphasic shielding has begun to form. External temperature is 0.9 million kelvins and rising. Radiation levels are nearing 10,000 rads. That should have no effect on the shuttle cabin. That's right. Temperature in the... 10,000 rads and 45 awesomes. 
boo. Everyone turns the podcast off, and we're canceled. We're done. We, we got canceled. The cabin is 21 degrees Celsius, and the radiation levels are normal. Wait. I'm reading elevated neutrino levels in the cabin. Those are from the subspace field that's encapsulating the shuttle. The levels are well within acceptable parameters. Outside temperature is rising rapidly. 1.7 million Kelvins. Temperature is still... That's how many Kelvins. Uh, he was Nibor in Menage a Trois, and he will be in Bloodlines, also as a Ferengi. <laughs> Metaphasic shielding is a reality. Dr. Dobrell, can you give us an estimate of the plasma turbulence? Six. Dr. Dobrell, something's wrong. What's going on, Mr. Dave? Sensors indicate an increased level of baryon particles in the cabin. No, that's not possible. If I had piloted the ship like I suggested Dr. earlier, Brill, this would not me? be a problem. <laughs> Please respond. No one listened to me. <laughs> baryon levels are continuing to rise, sir. Oh, you were all rehearsing a play. That's why. <laughs> uh, so Joe Brill has to pilot this back out, and then uh, he dies. And then here's the thing. Here's something I'd like to point out here. Uh, is this one when Riker, when Picard comes down? Let me play this next Guinan scene. Okay. I mean, I've lost patience before, but this was different. Because this leads into the the Patrick Stewart scene, which I thought was very odd. It was odd. I agree. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're a doctor and you have patients, you're in control. Hang on. Here's why it was odd, probably. And I'm going to put, I'm going to give probably them way more credit than they deserve. Picard's behavior in this feels like it's completely through the eyes of Beverly Crusher and not actually how he was behaving. Uh, that would be a great reason why it's told in third person. Because it needs, like, I, his reaction should be, he should be so much angrier with her. Second person. In his uh, in his quarters when she comes and is like, I disobeyed a direct order and, and have caused a horrible incident with <laughs> another culture. Like, he isn't, I, I feel like he should lose, not lose his temper, but but be a little more stern about it. But I feel like Beverly loves Jean-Luc so much that she's like, oh. <laughs> she softened when was response so, was. I mean, he was look, so he understanding. Was, he was gentle. upset, but he was very good about it. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Meanwhile, like, somebody's walking by the quarters and just hears him yelling muffled through the door. <laughs> oh, dare you! Do you! <laughs> but when you send somebody out on a mission, all you can do is sit and watch. That's what I felt. Helpless. Anybody would. Don't be too hard on yourself. You know what you say reminds me of something Jean-Luc said to me when I was doing the autopsy on Joe Brill. I think. It was probably the most puzzling autopsy I've ever performed. And the most frustrating. Because Joe Brill's anatomy was unlike any I'd encountered. And I've run into some unusual specimens. How's it going? I've never run into a humanoid species like this before. His internal physiology is baffling. He doesn't seem to have is any that so? I love organs. You. At least not in the traditional sense. And then he Practically said... Practically uh... every system is equally distributed throughout the body. 
Now, that kind of physiology should make him incredibly resistant to any injury. So whatever killed him must have occurred at the cellular level. Do you have any idea what it was? No. Something caused a massive system-wide failure. But I don't know what. Were the solar radiation levels high enough to kill him? Solar. His exposure to the star's radiation was minimal. It's all very strange. There's no apparent cause of death. Doctor, here's the result of the tissue scan you asked for. One. That's odd. The rate of cellular decay is extremely low. What? <laughs> and this is where... This is where Picard goes not Picard to me. Beverly, the answers will come. Maybe even minimal exposure to the radiation altered the cellular physiology. Look at that terrible makeup. You know, you've been at this for hours. You might think more clearly if you've got a good night's sleep. I can't sleep. I want to find out what killed him. I owe that to Dr. Rager. You're doing it for Dr. Rager? Or yourself? I'm in love with you, Beverly. That's what he said. You're the loneliest person in the world right now. (laughs) No one can say anything. No one can do anything that will help. And you think that it will never go away. And you're right, it won't. But you can get used to it. And I'll be here for you. I'm touching your shoulder. I know it doesn't feel like that now. I'm touching your shoulder. (laughs) But you can. It's very strange advice. It is. At the time, I was too preoccupied. It's really like... And it really does seem like he would never say, you're the loneliest person in the world right now. (laughs) Right. I I get that they're friends. I'm totally with you. It's just just like, what? Who's telling the story? And then you're like, oh, it's Beverly's telling the story. (laughs) That's why. That's why he's acting like that. I think it would have been funnier if they even went further, like Rashomon. He got more and more. Yeah, yeah, And, And then he's like, you know, number one. I went down there, and I told her, stiff up a lip. (laughs) Did you find anything wrong? No. I don't understand it. There must be something we've overlooked. I found microcrystalline damage to the hull, which confirms that your shield was breached by a burst of baryonic radiation. Were the levels high enough to cause damage to organic tissue? I don't know. Perhaps there was an unexpected interaction between the solar radiation and the metaphasic shield. No, that's not possible. <laughs> Whoa. I anticipated every contingency. Then maybe Joe Brill ran into something in the corona which you didn't anticipate. Your shield just wasn't able to protect him from it. Rega seemed angry, but I knew it was because he was so disappointed. Everything he'd worked for, like hoped for, was slipping away. And that made what I had to do next even harder. I'm sure you all understand that in light of what happened, I think it would be inappropriate to continue further testing. Perhaps if Dr. Rega has perfected his metaphasic technology, we can try again. Dr. Crusher, please. If I could have a little more time to investigate, I know I could find what went wrong. But that won't bring back Joe Brill, will it? Oh, shut up, human. I do not believe the shield will ever (laughs) work. Human. Its very concept is flawed. Shut up, Vulcan. Just one more test. Whom do you propose we sacrifice next? Perhaps someone brave enough. (laughs) Perhaps someone brave enough and not afraid of death. Oh, I will do it then. The shuttle myself. I mean, if you're I'm afraid so- of death, <laughs> if today is not a good day to die, then man, he really played her like a fiddle. <laughs> that he could hold on so tightly to the infuser when it was discharged, the normal reflex would have been to drop it, 
the plasma shock could have affected his nervous system. He may have reacted by gripping tighter. You know, it's funny as we've seen uh, Andy and I are doing uh, Star Trek Voyager in the uh, Patreon. So uh, if you're in the president's circle, there's Voyagers in there for you. But what we've noticed through the first 13 episodes of the season is that they've already done four episodes or so where Tuvok, the head of security, is just the chief gumshoe on board. <laughs> like, so... he... <laughs> He, Boy, would would Maurice Hurley love Voyager's first season? Oh my God! Ah, <laughs> uh, finally, oh boy, something uh, I can sink my teeth into. Okay, uh, if I and could write Crockett into these episodes, I would do it. That's when Tubbs says <laughs> the guy said the cocaine was in the back. Uh, now, as I was saying, we've seen uh, Tuvok solve. Crimes, essentially, but we've yeah. never really gotten to see Worf be the head of security and like put it together. You know what I mean? Yeah. We've like only this, this should be his thing. This should be like, I mean, not saying in this particular story. Yeah. Uh, but like, it would have been nice to have gotten one of those from from Worf on TNG. Yeah. And that's what I have to say about it. Thank you. Instead, he has to take the body to the board. The end. And his determination to prove himself. And I was I sure another... that this man had not taken. Sorry, go ahead, Andy. It's another reason I'm sort of just not. I don't know. I, it doesn't. I'm not intrigued by it. It's not. Like I, I like the turn. You know that it's that it's the uh, the aliens' physiology. Although it's real thin how he goes about it. It really um, is. It really is. But. Uh, but I don't know. It just it doesn't read the way that uh, oh we're gonna mix this genre with this genre like we we know you love TNG now we're gonna mix this genre into it. It doesn't read like it's like oh and now it's supercharging TNG because it's giving us this whole different thing. It's sort of like now we're gonna take TNG which you like and do this bland other version of it. <laughs> it's like I don't care about this. Look, of a guy you like stories about. that really don't have a through line over a season, right? Well, <laughs> have you seen this type of procedural? Yeah. We have. <laughs> um, okay, here's more Jean-Luc and Beverly. He was not suicidal. But by your own admission, Rhaegar was a difficult man to understand. Isn't it possible that he was simply masking his feelings? I don't think so. He was disappointed at the failure of his device, and certainly he was upset at Joe Brill's death. But I never got the sense that he was ready to end his own life. I feel like I know a, I literally know a guy named Joe Brill. Joe is he fr- Brill. Is he Ferengi? No. But Joe Brill's not a Ferengi in this episode either. You just pulled a Larry Nemechek. Yeah. You did not give Dr. Rega the respect his family wanted. I apologize. No autopsies. And if that's true, <laughs> then someone else killed him. Do you have any evidence of that? Not yet. But when I've finished the autopsy, I hope I'll have it. But I got a hunch. See? Beverly. <laughs> I'm afraid there will be no autopsy. The family have already been contacted. They insist that the body must not be touched until they perform the Ferengi death ritual. But there's a question as to the circumstances of his death. Latinum all over it. <laughs> kind of gross. 
in its liquid form? Ah, I see you also know a lot about latinum now. <laughs> Let's uh, do an experiment where we figure out how much the latinum uh, would uh, we could we could buy. What we could buy with that latinum in the twenty first century? Let's yes. do it to the computer. <laughs> Family, that's irrelevant. Let me speak with them. Please believe me, they're adamant. We are scheduled to rendezvous with the Ferengi vessel in seventeen hours. They will pick up Rager's body then. I'm sorry, there will be no autopsy. Jean-Luc, I cannot just drop this. Don't you see? There may have been a murder. Then you will have to find evidence some way other than an autopsy. Most foul. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing that's bizarre is that he just puts it all... I mean, obviously, it's for the story purposes that you, you want to see Beverly figure it out, but it's like... Why isn't he more like, oh, you think there was a murder? Well, we should put everybody on it and figure it out. Yeah. Like, maybe, like, Beverly, I assure you, you'll have Worf's full support in this matter. Yeah. Minimally. Could I also have Data? Nope. He's busy. I don't understand, Doctor. Isn't it pretty clear that Rega died from a plasma discharge? It Dude. won't be clear until after an autopsy. As far as I know, he could have been How poisoned and someone put the, the plasma fuser in his hand after he died. You think he was murdered? I'm Three. not discounting that possibility. <laughs> the point is, without a complete autopsy, there's no way of knowing for certain. And why won't the Ferengi allow it? It has to do with their death rituals. A body can't be violated before it's buried. And apparently the family is more concerned about ritual than finding out the truth about how he died. I just Dumb can't get the information I need from a tricorder scan. Suspects. If Rega didn't kill himself, someone else did. So who are the possible suspects? Whoever had something to gain from his death. Did. That category are the other scientists. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Nurse O'Gala. You got five lines, which means you got a bigger paycheck. dumbest thing I've ever been a part of. I love that before she does her fourth line, she's. it looks like she's trying to say something and Beverly cuts her off. <laughs> this is even a fake out. Oh my god. I, you know how fucking hard it, it was for me to find? Like I had to find that so quick because I only thought to do it after the third line. I was like, I better find Celebrate. Oh, well done. Masterfully done, my friend. <laughs> your party with you. Come on now. I'm afraid I'm a super cut for that. (laughs) That's the dumbest thing I've ever done. Uh, Good times. I love Ogawa in this episode. Sure. I like that she gets her moment in the sun. Successful. You might have been displaced as the preeminent scientist in subspace technology. But since it wasn't successful, it isn't logical to conclude that I had such a motive, is it? Dadoi. I must say, I resent this, Doctor. 
We have all been shocked by recent events. I don't see there's anything to gain by dragging us through these insinuations. I'm just trying to uncover the truth. And I... <laughs> Maybe she like thinks all human men who end up with Vulcans are like blubbery, whiny idiots. Yeah. Beverly does, and this is why she's telling the story like this. <laughs> <laughs> then he was being completely unreasonable. I have stirred up again. I find it disturbing that you would try to foster suspicions among us. Forgive me. I don't mean to upset you. How is the Vulcan but lady tolerating this dope? Anything unusual. I find your question distasteful. Could be like her 18th husband. <laughs> is there something you're not telling me? Yeah. Sure, it's nothing. <laughs> this guy fucking, like, the pages he got were law. He, he read it and he's like, oh, I'm doing a law and order. Right. And then his agent was like, actually, no, no, it's Star Trek. You're, you're doing Star Trek. He's like, what? 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 Oh. What is that? <laughs> but, I've, but I've rehearsed this as, as though I'm in New York and holding a box. Well, <laughs> just see what you can do out there. Maybe change it up a little bit. Nope. Not going to change at all. I've already I was in the storage room on I'm the side. I'm be line. imagining Jerry Orbach in every scene. By the way, it's hilarious that he also was in the storage room. You know what I mean? Like such a such a uh, Law and Order thing to do. That's so true. Because <laughs> who has that bit? Is it Mulaney? Jerry Orbach's eyes. No, the Mulaney has a bit. I think it's Mulaney who has a bit about Law and Order actors who <laughs> never stop working when they're being questioned by the police. I don't know if that's police. part of the same bit. His bit is about Jerry Orbach's eyes. Oh, maybe it is part of the same bit. It. Anyway, it's a genius bit. Look it up, everybody. I'm sure it's nothing. <laughs> but this guy is in a lot of order. <laughs> I was in the storage room of the science laboratory yesterday. Jurek was working in the lab. Rega <laughs> came in and... <laughs> Go back and hear see his weird slanted version of the story. An about an what? argument. I don't know. I couldn't hear anything clearly and... Said, I'm going to murder you. <laughs> until they started to shout at one another. The other one was, I'm going to murder you first. Then I heard Jurek say... If I kill you, it'll look like an accident. <laughs> Riga had insulted her honor, and no Klingon would stand for that. I do not believe she killed him. These were words spoken in the heat of anger. A Klingon would kill someone? Volatile. No one would ever kill anyone in the heat of anger. Where does he even get this? Kurek is volatile, passionate, but you wouldn't do this? How well does he know this Klingon? Uh, uh, look, again, we don't know. We don't know what he gets up to. Like, what's he doing out there, you know? Is he at the Vulcan Science Academy? Is he teaching? Is he just, like, a, a bored house husband? Yeah. Does he befriend all scientists of various uh, nations? Nations? planets species we did it all right everyone sometimes they follow through that looks like one of dr rega's shield configurations yes personal research even though this technology failed. No one has denied there is potential in the idea, which you're now free to develop. Mm -hmm. Are you accusing me of something? No. 
but I want to know why you threatened Dr. Rega. I warned Dr. Rega that if he persisted in his slander, he would pay the price. What was his accusation? Who is she? I've seen her before in Star Trek. Looking it up. Thank you, Andy. You're welcome. <laughs> also, if this is Beverly telling me. I feel this, like she might be one of the sisters. Am I wrong? She sounds like a Duras, but I also think that that like, is what you sound like when you have the teeth in. <laughs> That's true. You know what I mean? Um, oh, I think. Um, let's see. Which, which episode was this? She was in. She was Rachel, Captain Rachel Garrett. In uh, yesterday's, yesterday's Enterprise. Enterprise. Captain of the NCC 1701. Oh, that's a lot of range. Charlie. Good job, Trisha O'Neill. Um, and she also appeared in Deep Space Nine as a Cardassian Observer Coronis. Um, she was... Uh, that was in Defiant was the episode. She was L. Alexander in the DS9 Seven season, The Dogs of War. I'm trying to see if she's been a... It's all stretched out. Hmm. But never a Klingon, right? No, I don't think... I don't see another Klingon in there. I think it's the teeth. That's what you recognize? No, I'm just saying, like, that make this make her sound so much like a Duras. Uh, oh, so she does the autopsy here, huh? Yeah. <laughs> she does a lot of morally questionable things in this episode. Also, like, I like to imagine that uh, what really happened was that Klingon beat the shit out of her, and she uh-huh. couldn't get back up for, like, an hour. <laughs> but in her version, she got right back up. No worse for the wear. You'll have bit to of, push me harder than that. A little it bit of a sore like neck. like if a Klingon came at you, you, would, you wouldn't walk away from it so easy. Unless it was Worf. Woo! No. I did not. Wait, Use you of. Well, you're going to have to throw me a lot harder than that if you want to get it. Now, what did he accuse you of? Sabotage. Sabotage of the metaphasic shield? Was that why it failed? How would I know? Did you sabotage the project? <laughs> Very they are dramatic. No. They're really in another th- stratosphere of acting right now. They are. It's also just... it's in the writing. It's it's really it's really well, weird. I think it's, again, yeah, yeah, they're I, trying I, to do a few good men or something. It's not. Yes, it is. It is. It is written like a. Uh, yeah, it's written like a bunch of genres slapped together. A medical genre, uh, police you know, genre, uh, uh, you know. It wouldn't even bother me so much if, Klugman's like, going to come in and do the next autopsy. Like, that's the thing. Like, and they obviously are leading to it being kind of a Quincy thing where she uses her skills. And that part I, I like a little bit more. But all the stuff where she's going in and questioning them, like, that's it. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. It's like... There's no wit at all to how she's going about it. She's basically right. just, very just very antagonizing them, hoping that they'll say I'm the murderer. <laughs> it's all very flat. Uh, and all very like... Um, like, uh, Andy, I want you to be a character for me, okay? 
Okay. I want you to be on the other side of the interrogation glass, All talking right. to a visiting detective, and let them know that I'm the best ever at uh, interrogation. Ready? And then I'll be the cop okay. inside, about to interrogate. Okay. Am I starting or you're... Yeah, go ahead. You start. It. Okay. This guy's the best we got. Hey, uh, you killed him, right? I don't think he did it. <laughs> well, he didn't do it. If he would, if he did it, the best we got would have figured it out. Yeah, that is kind of what it feels like. I don't think he did it. Um, I don't know if we passed. Does Beverly go into? She's going into Picard right now. I'm trying to figure out what scene it's in. I don't know if it's in this scene. You they tell got... me, man. You tell me. I feel like we've seen this many, many times before, but for some reason, this is the first time I noticed it. The book. In Picard's glass case, is that his Shakespeare book or is that something else? It's a it's a book that the art department would put on different pages every episode. Because it had it was open to a page and it looked like there was like some photos on it and I was like, what the fuck book is that? Uh, it's an illustrated thing and they they uh, yeah that always had it always had some stuff in it. Oh, that doesn't look like a Shakespeare book, Andy. That's a good eye. Just sort of like what's because it's, it's not be it's not so important. To it's him. not nearly the page count. To understand. Let me see if I can find out what it isn't is. Isn't it possible that he was simply masking his feelings? Love that he has a lucite thing. Yeah. Uh, all right. So here's the scene. This is Beverly's re- recollection of Picard being angry at her. <laughs> Beverly. Jean-Luc, I want to tell you something that you need to know, but you're not going to like it. I did an autopsy on Dr. Rega. You're so what beautiful right now. <laughs> <laughs> Your eyes are telling me everything I need to know. <laughs> you're such a soulful woman. I understand why you did it. Your fiery hair and cold <laughs> eyes tell me everything I need to know. You're the perfect temperature, Beverly. Nothing. <laughs> it's, um, it says here it's uh, the Globe Illustrated Shakespeare, the complete works. Yes, that's what it usually is. But yeah, I think your eye is correct. That does look like a smaller book. Yeah. And also, what it, does the other one have pictures in it? Well, yeah, it does. It's illustrated. Oh, it has photos. Okay. All right, I'm sorry, I know I shouldn't have done it. You most certainly should not. I made it clear to you that the family would not allow it. Not only have you disobeyed my orders, but you've interfered in the burial rituals of another culture. That doesn't seem to worry her that part. No, not at all. You put both of us in a very difficult position. The family will have to be notified. I don't Chicote doubt that would they have would react strongly. Ferengi government becomes involved, as I'm certain they will. This could have very significant repercussions. I'm not sure how much I can protect you. You don't have to, Jean-Luc. I knew what I was doing, and I'm prepared to accept the consequences. I love you. I could tell that he was terribly disappointed in me. And that was almost the hardest part of all. He, 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 whoa, sorry. So that's that the story. Uh, that's how I ended we've my career. Seen, we've seen Patrick Stewart play terribly disappointed Back before. Sorry. Yeah. 
Like you know, actually, I'm thinking of Wesley right now, and uh, the yeah. first and the first duty, for and sure. And the 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 fire in the spe- in his speech, and, and like just the anger and the, the the disappointment that came through there, I thought was like tenfold what it is here. It is a it's a very strange tone, because you're a hundred percent right. Now, granted, Wesley is. Is a, sort a of child. younger, and he and he already he already has that kind of relationship where he's sort of trying to teach him, and 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 so he's approaching this as like Beverly's uh, an adult woman, she's his friend, and sort of more his equal. But it does feel like, like his really his only reaction is hmm, this one's going to be tough for me to kind of get sweep you under out the of the carpet. <laughs> like, but I will because I love you. <laughs> Why are you moping around here? Why don't you do something about it? I've done everything I could think of. It got me fired. Do you think Dr. Reagan killed himself? No. Do you think there's a murderer on board? Yes. Then why are you still sitting here? Don't you get it? If I start digging around again... You could be relieved of duty. But I'm already... <gasps> God. God. Chief Medical Officer's log, personal, stardate 46830.1. I'll be leaving the ship tomorrow to attend the Board of Inquiry. Now we're real-time. Now we're real-time, no longer third person. That means I have less than 24 hours to get to the bottom of this mystery. Suddenly Picard's enraged in the scenes. (laughs) Security. What are you doing, Dave? Track down Beverly. I'm running additional <laughs> diagnostics to make certain there was no permanent radiation damage to the shuttlecraft hull. That I should have been in. <laughs> You've studied Dr. Rega's shield system. Do you think it could have been sabotaged? There was no evidence to support sabotage. Just consider the possibility. The system interlocks prevent access to the circuitry unless the shield emitter is active. Any attempt to sabotage the device would have to be made while the shield is in operation. The only time the shield was active was during Joe Brill's test flight. That is correct. It seems unlikely that Joe Brill would perform sabotage which would result in his own death. I agree. Would it be possible to sabotage the shuttle by remote during the flight? It can't go away. That celebrate phased ionic can't go pulse away. beamed directly into the metaphasic projection matrix would result in a temporary system malfunction. Where on the Enterprise could you generate a phased ionic pulse? Such a pulse could be initiated from the lateral sensor array, science labs 1, 4, and 16, or any of the bridge science stations. Let's assume for the moment that someone did send out a phased ionic pulse. What would have happened inside the shuttle? The tetrion field would be formed briefly in the cabin, temporarily disrupting the metaphasic shield. A tetrion field? If Joe Brill was exposed to a tetrion field, it might have left residual traces in his tissue. Uh, now that we're in first per or now that we're in real time, first person, not not third person. Um, this 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 Riker conversation feels like what Riker would be doing, right? And it's like the first time a character sat feels like the character. <laughs> it's true. That was tomorrow. Thank you. About everything that's going on, I'm sorry. I'm sure it will all work out. Yes, of course. You know the inquiry is just a formality. And Captain Picard will do everything he can for you. I'm sure that'll help. But if you do anything foolish before that inquiry, it's not going to look good for you. 
I don't know what you mean. I think you do know what I mean. The best thing for you to do right now is to go to your quarters and read a good book. If you do anything to make the situation worse, it's going to be that much harder on you. Thank you, Commander. Your concern is noted. Beverly, I'm saying this to you as a friend. Yes, Will, I know. But as a friend, please try to understand. I can't quit now, and I don't want you to become involved in this. Well, then what? It's my ship. Oh, boy. I wish I could do something. I'm going to go eat chocolate sundaes. Access ship's medical logs and download current autopsy files. Autopsy files are restricted to active medical personnel only. Access denied. Damn. Dr. Crusher? (laughs) Don't worry, I know I'm not supposed to be here. How happy was she? Computer. Access autopsy files. Yes. Yeah, you got it. Not so what do we do here? Anymore. First, I want to review Joe Brill's physiology records. Then I want to take another look at the body, and I want to see if there's any tetrion traces. Let's do it. I think she calls her a listen to. Patty, you crushed it this week. This is my autopsy ray gun. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Also, she, she didn't overplay it. You could have easily overplayed it. Oh, for she sure. She played it the way that a, a professional nurse would have played it. She probably went up and she, there's probably one take where, well, you're not my boss anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, let's take it, take it down a little bit. Are you sure? Because I think Patty. I think that that calls for that right there. Uh, Patty, I think you know what? Just play like a cold professional. You know, but right? this is my eighth line, uh, all right. and I'm building. <laughs> all right, I'll let you play for a little while. <laughs> Someone did sabotage the shield. Someone That's did sabotage the shield. This is <laughs> God, Patty, that was uh, that was Gates's line. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she, she drops. She drops to her knees in the scene. No. <laughs> I've never had this many lines. It's hard to keep track who's is who's. Very circumstantial evidence. There's only one way to know for certain. She just flies through that door. Uh, there was a very, there was a very, which scene was it? I just wanted to point it out very quickly. Um, there's a scene, I believe it's when she's talking to the Vulcan scientist and her husband. Uh, that Beverly dramatically heads towards the door and then turns around. <laughs> that That's the one, yeah. <laughs> but she's so close to the door that, I mean... It's the wise it's not opening. If I was like, if I was around. the grip that always pulled the door open, I'd be like, why aren't I? <laughs> shouldn't, why, I shouldn't I be opening this thing? Uh, should it, how about if it's kind of a funny thing and the door's opening like a little bit like, do you want, you want me, me to open? You want to open? You want to open? No? No? Yes? No? No? Anyone? 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 <laughs> Meanwhile, on the Enterprise. Modified. Open a hailing frequency. 
Dr. Crusher, what do you think you're doing? Testing a theory, Captain. Mr. Wolf, override the shuttle's computer. Return it to the shuttle bay. Aye, sir. Sir, she has isolated her navigational control. Then fire three water torpedoes. Impossible to establish remote <laughs> operation. Sir, get a tractor beam on her. I cannot establish a lock. She is too close to the star. Solar is interference is too high. To steal a a shuttle out of the ship? I mean, when you're that na- close to a sun, sure. Yeah. Mr. Data, what is our heading? Programming to lock them out. Also, she did some fancy things. Rega was right about his shield. The only reason it failed is because it was sabotaged, and I'm going to prove it. But you can't be certain of that. You're betting your life on a hypothesis. I'm not wrong. External temperature, 1.9 million Kelvins. That's a lot of terrible timelines. <laughs> the Kelvin timeline, everyone. Hi, Jeez. I'm Matt Myra. If you're still listening, oh, no. we've been canceled again. One of them has to be responsible for sabotaging the first test. I think if we... Sir, we have lost contact. Mr. Data, make proper funeral arrangements. <laughs> All right, back to Earth. Um... Well, everyone, we've done everything we can. <laughs> and a couple of things here. One thing, that guy, good, good for, uh, good for Joe Brill, being able to lie and pretend he was dead that whole time. That is takes a real mental uh, good work. Discipline. Good work. Good control of your is, cellular structure. How did this guy get from sick bay? Down to. I often thought the, the same thing, right? Without anybody so seeing or wondering. He like opens a around. drawer that has his clothes in them and like yeah. takes them out, and then he just. I think he's like, okay, if I don't run into Beverly, the Vulcan, <laughs> that other guy, and the Klingon lady, I'm gonna get away scot free. Or is he a shapeshifter because he can control his cells? No, he's not. Yeah. Oh, but he could be. Whoa. I mean, if you can control your cells like that, why not? Yeah. I mean, he does have that hole in him like uh, Goldie Hawn and Death Becomes Her. But it feels like if that was his plan, he could have had him <laughs> Death Becomes Her. He could have he could have come up with a much less complicated Is plan it her who has the hole? Who has movie. the hole in that movie? I don't I don't know that I've seen all of it. I think every time I tried to get through it, I was sort of not into it. It feels so. like a like a movie that like Zemeckis made <laughs> that is a Zemeckis movie uh, he makes such odd like he has such odd things he wants to make he really does it's so funny uh, it it is indeed yeah and then he does he does like Back to the Future and he does like Forrest Gump these just like two of the most beloved movies of all time and then there are things in between where it's like, what? Why are you doing that? <laughs> really interesting. It's Goldie, Goldie Hawn on the poster has the hole in her. Was and it? I thought it was Meryl Streep. Meryl oh, Streep God. has the, they're both in it. Meryl oh. Streep has her head backwards on the poster. And, and Bruce Willis is wide-eyed with the, his hand through the hole in Goldie Hawn yeah. with, his, with the candelabra. <laughs> 
crazy. And <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I have just described the poster for Death Becomes Her. Thank you for listening to our Star Trek podcast. Anyway, back to Joe Brill. It will obscure the shuttle from the Enterprise sensors. And they will interpret it as a warp engine. Everyone who does it, I think, is just homaging Leonard Nimoy, and I love it. Breach. They will believe that you have been destroyed. I'd like to thank you, Doctor. For what? All I wanted to do was discredit Rega, so that no one would pursue his technology except me. But you have given me more than I could have hoped. It made $149 million. Holy shit. In 1992. That's that's quite that's a it's quite a run there. I can't believe that oh, I it was it came out in July. That's why we never mentioned it on the podcast last season. It would have been the number one movie in the country. Yeah. All right. All right. That's, that's, that's back on topic. Back on topic. Okay. Death becomes her minute. Joe Brill. Oh, here's the fight. The panel like three times, and I was like, oh, she's going to kick it out of her hand, his hand. And then it doesn't seem like it's any of those times that she goes for the gun, Phaser. Let me tell you, I bet Gates McFadden had like the most fun that day. For sure. Shoots him in the stomach. There's a hole. So she must have shot him at a very high level. And then it's like, you're right. Well, in fairness, in fair, in fairness, he had the phaser pointed at her, and he had said it. Yes, but she's Starfleet. What? She's Starfleet. She would have checked what the reading was before she fired at somebody. No, I disagree. Not in that. In that. In the close quarters, you're in the center of a star. You're. Fighting uh, someone you she already like, know to be a murderer? Seems like she's got a decent amount of time when she throws him back against the thing, but hmm. in any event, let's, she definitely knows what she's doing. The seconds. She definitely knows what she's doing on the second shot, that's for sure. Kicked. I love that. One, two, three, fire. Yes, I mean there is enough time to put it on a lower setting. Although maybe the stun setting, due to his cellular biology. Reacts very poorly. Thank you. Oh, you're saying that she didn't, the second time she doesn't know what's going to happen? I'm saying that the first time it shouldn't do that, and the second time it certainly shouldn't do that. Because if you're firing a phaser like that, you're going to hit the hull of the ship. You know what I mean? It's like, So what does she do? Then she turns it up, right? Maybe she goes, I need a a wide beam stun. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Whoopsie, <laughs> Captain! <laughs> Mistake. However, the Goes for it. indicates a warp engine breach. All right, begin a phase one search, starting with the shuttlecraft's last known coordinates. Plot a proximity course toward the star. Sir, we are picking up an object emerging from the corona. I, I wish it was Jess Beverly, like uh, Captain Marvel, <laughs> <laughs> flying out of the star. Crushed Enterprise, I'm all right, returning to the ship, and I finally have the answers I've been looking for. I read Eat, Pray, Love while I was Chief in there. Chief Medical Officer's Log, Stardate 46831.2. I've been reinstated and I will be resuming my duties shortly. In the meantime, I have a personal matter to attend to. 
in my one casual outfit. Hello. Ooh. Somebody's birthday? Not unless it's yours. It's for you. For me? What's the occasion? It's a thank you for giving me a good kick in the butt. Oh, now, I didn't, uh... Now, I did some research. This is the latest design, state of the art. It is specifically designed to cushion all vibrations so you will never have tennis elbow again. Such a hilarious future <laughs> tennis tennis racket. Thank you, Doctor. This looks like a great racket, but uh, I don't play tennis. Never have. <sighs> but I'm a liar. <laughs> so maybe I have a scam. <laughs> All right. Um, here's my other question. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there was a murderer. That doesn't mean she didn't do an autopsy against the wishes of the guy's, you know, family. <laughs> yeah, I think that should have been covered in the uh, in the. And she the... didn't. It doesn't mean she didn't steal a shuttle. Like she fucking was acting uh, like a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they were like, oh, "All right, there was a murder. All right, everything else." Is well, I mean, look, you did something that none of us could do. You solved the crime. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and with that, crime solving. Also, here's another question. Jobril goes into this fucking Bond villain riff when he's got her, like he's got the gun on her. What is it? Who, just shoot her. What are you doing? Uh, here's You're the thing. Shoot her here's the thing anyway. about scientists. Okay. They love to prove how smart they are. Yeah, that's true. So <laughs> he can't help but be like, hmm. <laughs> You see what happened was. Here's, Here's why how I, I got away with it. I'm the smartest scientist here, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> I can pretend to be dead. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's do it. In the vastness of space, when the going gets rough, you gave it your all. You showed the right stuff. You managed to not blow the ship to smithereens. That's why you're this week's MVC. Seems pretty clear cut. Yeah, it does. It's Joe Brill. Oh, oh! I mean, it kind Who of. Who without whom? Although Guinan. That is true, Guinan. Uh, I'm giving it to Nurse Ogawa. Without Nurse Ogawa, fucking Beverly's Beverly's uh, <laughs> thing drummed stops. out of Starfleet. <laughs> no, I, I feel like I got to resigning your commission. It's we, Beverly. We, we both give it to Beverly. Uh, and now, good uh, job, Beverly. An interesting question. Let's hear the answer. We sit and watch and then we hang and talk But the podcast isn't over just yet How many Andy's does this episode get? Yeah, this is one of those ones where the more we've talked about it, the less I've liked the episode. <laughs> That's interesting. I've had a good time talking about it, though. I sure have. But um, um, uh, I like... <laughs> I do like the Nursogawa turn. I really like that they're giving Beverly something substantial to do, even if everything she does doesn't quite make sense in this episode. I really, I mean, it's such a, such a, you know, she, she sets up the thing. She's, she's defending, um, Rega. She kicks ass at the end. Um, you know, it would have been, 
they kind of, to your point, it kind of they kind of had some missed opportunities in the drama of conflict that could have existed between her and uh, Picard, where it should have been more her saying, Jean-Luc, you know me. I'm telling you this is the deal. You have to have faith in me. And he kind of doesn't. And that being a point of conflict between them. And they kind of missed that opportunity. And I don't, and I don't, and all the procedural stuff really just feels kind of stale. And I feel like it could have been cooler. But I do like mm-hmm. that it's about Beverly. Uh, I'm going to give it a 4.5. That's so funny. That's almost where I am. But I'm going to go a little higher because I enjoy uh, Gates' performance. Yeah. Um, and I enjoy uh, Guinan. Yeah, that's nice. So it's a it's a five point five for me. Okay, because I was like four is harsh, so I, yeah, I, I was initially going to give it a four. So four point five, I get it. I'm going to go five and a half, ladies and gentlemen. What a time to be alive! Let's just uh, <laughs> once again, let's just hear it all for Patty. Five lines. Right here, a she did it. To last throughout the years. The Holla DJ has a, has a twinkly floor like Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> all right. Now, Andy, let's watch the trailer for next week's episode, Rightful Air, which I believe is the, if I remember correctly, the return of Kalis. Oh. Um, let's do that. Let me go over here. Let me rightful. We're going full Klingon episode next week, I believe. Right, we'll air a TNG trailer. Get your trailers out, everybody. We're going to watch together. <laughs> uh, now, let me put this share screen back to Andy. Let's uh, not do the cool in the gang screen. We want the share. Okay. All right, Andy, here we go. The greatest Klingon warrior of all time returns. I want you to have a place at my side as we restore honor to our people. But Worf is trapped between two leaders. It will be glorious. It will be war. Now he must stop a battle for supreme power. We are Klingons! To save the entire Klingon Empire from civil war. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. How does the Klingon Empire get around to doing anything? I know. <laughs> how are they constantly? Not, how are they not constantly in a civil infighting? How did they evolve the way they have to to warp capability? I don't know. But on the other hand, I guess people make a lot of progress during war. So that's true. Mm. That's true. A faster ship would be better. All right, Andy. Thank everyone for being here. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Oh, thank you, Andy, for being here. Follow Star Trek The Next Conversation on social media. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at Star Trek TNC. On Facebook, search for Star Trek TNC and join the face group. Send comments, questions, prime correctives, and anything else to sttncpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a voice hail, call 816-TREK-TNC. That's 816-873-5862. 
For callers outside of the United States, use country code PLUS1. And don't worry, no one answers the phone, it's only for messages. If you've got something to mail to Matt or Andy, send it to Andrew Secunda, P.O. Box 46898, Los Angeles, California, 90046. And please send an email to let them know that something is coming. Finally, to support the podcast and get even more content, visit patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Be a lieutenant for only $5 per month or join the President's Circle for $17.01 per month.